podcast, a podcast where a group of sisters get together, rewatch old shows from the past, and talk about them. I'm Angelie. I'm Sherilyn. And I'm Corinne. And this episode, we are talking about season one, episode five of That 70s Show. The episode is called Eric's Burger Job. Before we jump into all that, though, how was your guys' week? Just busy. A lot of family activities. Uh, for me, you know, same old, same old. Just, I'm an accountant, so I had financials getting ready. Number stuff. <laughs> all the the uh, nerdy accounting things. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Dealing with a toddler that doesn't like to listen. You know, all the good stuff. And your toddler is so good at that. She really is. All of them are. <laughs> yes. And, you know, just general getting ready for Christmas. Because that's what time of the year we are actually shooting this right now. Shooting it. Recording this. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, we are recording this uh, just right before Christmas. And... Yes, all of the end of the semester stuff is in full swing for my kids. So my fourth grader had this missing writing assignment from last week. He's He does not like to do writing. So we had to spend a few hours at our kitchen table finishing this writing assignment. And I thought he was all done. And he was so excited. And it was great. And he came home Friday. And I said, hey, did you, did you finally get to do Fun Friday because you had all of your work done? And he goes well, no, I have one more writing assignment to do. And I was like, oh no. So I asked him to bring it home over the weekend. But at this point it was Friday and he was like, no, I, I didn't bring it. So he brought it home yesterday and it turns out he needed the textbook to like take notes from, to like reference material to write his essay. And he forgot it. So then today he brought home the textbook and the rough draft and he sat and he was working on the rough draft and I'm like, this is great. You're going to get the rough draft done. And then we're going to do the final copy tomorrow. And he goes, no, mom, it's the end of the semester. And she wants everything in by Wednesday so she can get our grades done. So everything's due tomorrow. And I said, great, we're going to print you a final copy paper. It's going to look like just regular paper, but it's going to look nice. And you're going to do the final copy because you're getting credit for all this work. So anyway, poor thing. He worked for a really long time. But the semester's almost over. And he's very excited for me on Friday to play the song after today from a goofy movie because he's like I just really need to hear that it's gonna be really good to have the break <laughs> like you got it buddy he's mentally ready he's so done but he worked hard so that's it's been hard at our house to get through the semester but we're almost there those writing assignments man oh, he hates writing he really does he has to learn to be better <laughs> I know. got lots to learn it's, in all, high school. it's all the sitting and focusing and like getting through all of his ideas but anyway it's hard yeah. it's hard Anyway, if we haven't lost you by now, I'm so sorry. This is That 70s Show Season 1, Episode 5, Eric's Burger Job. A little bit of the background information. The director, as always, was David Trainer. The writers uh, <clears throat> the writers for this episode were Bonnie Turner, Terry Turner, and Mark Brazil. And we actually had three guest stars this episode. We had Danny, I'm going to butcher this name, Bonaduce, Danny Bonaduce, I think is how you pronounce that, as Ricky. We had Paul Kreppel again as Mr. Burkhart. This is actually going to be his last appearance as Mr. Burkhart, as far as I understood from my research. And we had Amanda Fuller as Tina Pinciotti. And this episode originally aired on September 27th, 1998. We start with scene one. The kids are in the basement listening to music. Eric is searching the classifieds for after school jobs. We see Jackie in pigtails, and she's wearing striped knee-length socks with wedges, a navy blue skirt with a red belt to match her red scarf around her neck, and on her long sleeve top, you can see the initials JSB on her sleeve. Did anybody notice those initials on her sleeve? Not this time. I wasn't focused on that no, for her today. I have seen this show so many times through, and I watched it the first initial time and, like, didn't catch anything. Went back to do my notes and, like, add in things about fashion, things that I noticed that they were wearing. Honestly, like, the striped knee-length socks, I was like, oh, could you get more 70s? Like, really, Jackie? But then as she turns, she's listening to music and she turns to, like, plug in the headphones. And I caught a glimpse of something on her arm and I went, what, what was that? Like, that's weird. And that's when I saw the JSB going down oh. her arm. And I was like, I have never once seen this before. But it's exactly the same font and exactly the same print and everything as the sweater top that she wore a couple of episodes ago. Okay. I remember that. Was that the same initials, though? Yes, it was JSB, mm. which is so weird because, again, we find out in a much later episode that her middle initial should be a B. 
And so I don't know if they just changed that later on and forgot about this whole JSB thing. I don't know if her mom is um, personalizing all of her clothes. Why does she have two tops with JSB? I don't know if we're missing something. Like maybe there was a big brand in the 70s that had JSB. <laughs> was it like a thing in the 70s to also monogram things? I know that they would like label, like their moms would sew their names into the tags and things like that. But I, I don't know about like monogramming I feel like Jackie's outside. family was rich enough that they probably wouldn't have done that. Well, yeah, but I mean, if she's rich enough... Like, it's printed on there nicely. Like, both the sweater and the shirt. It's yeah. the same font. But I'm saying, like, usually, yeah. like you were saying, if they would uh, put names inside things like underwear, other clothes. Right. Like, she's too classy to do the inside. I, yeah. But maybe the outside is, like, a status symbol thing. Okay. Like, look at maybe. me. So, I don't know. But that was the first time I've ever caught that she had her initials on her sleeve. And now mm. I'm like, how many other times did she have her initials that I did not see? Again, assuming, we're assuming that it's her initials. However, S is not her official middle name or official middle initial. You're right. We continue with Hyde, who was wearing what looks like the top of overalls as a shirt with white pants. Donna has a button-up shirt on again with her hair parted in the middle and twisted back at the front. And Eric is in his typical checkered button-up and brown pants. Donna asks why he's looking for a job. And Eric replies that everything costs money. Gas, clothes, fun dates. Donna tells Eric and the whole room that her parents are going out of town to Lake Geneva. And I'm going to pause you right there. I'm so sorry, Sherilyn. If you're playing along on our bingo cards, listeners, we have bingo cards. They can be found at our Instagram at we watch rewatch podcast. And um, I played with card number five for this episode. So that was a ding, 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 ding. She said that they were going to Lake Geneva. And I was like, is that the name of the lake? Is that the name of a town? Is that the name of a resort? I did a little Googling. Totally the name of a city in Wisconsin. So you get to mark the square for Wisconsin City mentioned. Wow. <laughs> I know. I was like, I was a little bit, again, this one was kind of hard for bingo. And so I was like, I got to, I got to fill every square that I possibly can. So when she said they're going to the Playboy Club in Lake Geneva, I was like, where is Lake Geneva? I got, I have to know about this. Anyway, you get to mark that square. <laughs> nice. And that she'd be alone. I think she was hinting. I wrote these out, so I listed them. Hint number one, she's going to be alone. She's babysitting Tina. And let me just mention, uh, if you're following along, this is one of her sisters. And this is the first mention of Tina. And the other one was, I think, from episode two for Val. It was Valerie, yes. Valerie, yeah. So the very few times we hear about the siblings. Uh, she's going to be watching TV. Number So that was number two. Number three was watching TV. Ordering pizza, number four. Kelso jumps at the opportunity to throw a party at Donna's. Now, okay, I counted this ding, 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 ding as Kelso having a dumb moment because he's not picking up on all these four hints that Donna has put out that she wants to hang out with Eric and jumps on the idea that they're going to throw a party. So I, I counted it because, again, this was a really hard one for Bingo. <laughs> Donna would be thrilled if Eric would be there, and as soon as Donna left the room, Jackie told the boys just how stupid they were, and then leaves herself, leaving Hyde to explain why and how they were stupid. As soon as Eric repeats everything that he just heard Donna say, he then agrees. Mm-hmm. Cue the credits. I think Donna is incredibly brave. I know it's, like, very juvenile to, like, hint to your crush that, like, Oh, I'm I'm gonna be alone. Maybe I'll order a pizza. Like if somebody would stop by, like that would be fun. But like she's completely putting herself out there in front of a group of other people. Like she's not just hinting to Eric, she's hinting to Eric in front of witnesses that like she's grown up with. They tease each other all the time. She knows that like if they pick up on any of this, she's gonna be hearing about it. And yet she keeps going. And I don't think I've ever been that brave to like hint to a guy with other people around. I don't know. Did you guys ever, do you feel like you've ever acted that way? Like as bravely and boldly as Donna is in this moment? Maybe when I first started, you could say flirting or hanging out with my husband. Mm, okay. Like, cause we had already known each other and you know, things leading up to actually hanging out, softball, all the things. So I think as you get more familiar with each other and the flirting continues, it, it's, it, you lay it on thicker. Right. 
See, for me, I was what you call a classic flirt, and so you could probably <laughs> say that I did that in front of other people, so... I think you and I are in the same boat there. It was very thick. What is that like to be that brave? Because I definitely was not that way. I would be like, I think I like this person. Don't make it obvious, because obviously then everybody's going to make fun of you because he's out of your league or whatever. Like, I could never, really? like, put myself out there. I was You're the a worst. cheerleader! Yeah, but that doesn't mean that I thought that I was amazing and, like, any boy would want me. Like, I okay. still was insecure about things. So, I don't I know. I had there. a hard time with there. that. Yeah, I just wanted male attention. So, that's honestly what mine was. <laughs> I'll be honest about it. I had my issues I'm in here. high school. I'm cute. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that too. I was like, we can be friends. <laughs> in the next scene, the Foremans are sitting down to dinner in their kitchen. And we see Kitty in a light blue print shirt with a very wide collar, like very 70s style. Red's in his typical brown polo and jeans. And Eric is also in his usual plaid button-down shirt and what kind of looks like brown corduroy pants. As the scene opens, we get a really good shot of a mountain of mashed potatoes on each person's plate. I don't know if you guys noticed that. I don't know what it is about this show in particular, but every time I've watched that 70s show, I'm very distracted by the food on their plate. Because sometimes I'm like, that looks good and I want to try it. But I know that like prop food gets cold and nobody really wants to eat it. But every time I'm like, I wonder what they're eating this time. So I really noticed the mountain of mashed potatoes. It didn't look enticing, but I was like, that's a lot of mashed potatoes on every person's plate. How much are you actually eating? It's a ton. But you also know, we with... have to think, Kitty's a good homemaker. Yeah. But also like, as Angela was talking about the prop food, Think about how many bites of that they have to take every single scene and how many times they have to do it a scene. So, like, you're going to be tired of that food by the end of that day. Absolutely. And I wonder also if they're like, mashed potatoes will take up a lot of room on their plate, so we don't have to make a lot of extra foods. So, like, tons of mashed potatoes. Nothing to do with the plot, but got me when I was watching and I had to notice it. Eric is telling his parents that he's thinking of getting a job. And Kitty protests, saying his job is going to school, getting good grades, and <sighs> leaving me. And I was really impressed with how quickly she turned the conversation into mourning Eric growing up. Like, instead of, you know, how good it would be for him to get a job, it's all about how sad she's going to be when Eric's gone. Very typical Kitty. Red says he worked in a slaughterhouse when he was Eric's age, and it was good. He learned how to use a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> He's, I enjoyed that dark humor. I loved it. He's thrilled with this joke, but Kitty is not too happy about it. Both Red and Kitty make getting a job sound like a way to ruin your life. Kitty's saying it will grind the joy out of your life, and Red saying work is about work. It's about seeing how much crap you can take, and then taking some more, because only quitters quit. And then something that stood out to me that I didn't notice in other times, or maybe I did notice it and it like blocked it out of my memory, but Eric makes a really quick comment at the beginning of the scene where we learn that Jackie's dad owns the Fatso Burger, which is of course why they're so rich because he owns a fast food franchise. But I had never, I like, I knew that he owned it somewhere in the back of my mind, but I never caught on that Eric is the one that said, well, Jackie's dad owns a Fatso Burger. I'm thinking of getting a job there. One thing I noticed after Red made his comment is that how outdated that notion is about like only quitters quit and work is about take, seeing how much you can take and what was the other one? It's about seeing how much crap you can take and, and then, then taking, taking some, some more. more. And just like with after the pandemic, I don't know if you've heard that there's like a lot of quiet, um, quiet, quitting. quiet quitting. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so it's just interesting to see that perspective in such stark contrast with the quiet quitting where you have a bounce of where your work, your personal life, and you don't go above and beyond because you're not getting paid to go above and beyond. Yeah, and people only doing what they're being paid to do. And yeah. like, this is it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And like, if you actually want to pay people a fair wage, then you need to, you know. If you want people to do work, you need to pay them, them the fair wage. wage. Yes. yes, thank you. Yes, exactly. So yeah, it's just, very interesting. Yeah, so it's just interesting that like now, 20 years after the fact, that it's like, Oh, this is the boomer thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. In the basement, Hyde confronts Donna about the party and how heavily she hinted to Eric to come over for some alone time. Like, seriously, of course he's going to call her out on those hints that Sherilyn brought up. Like, she she had to have known that was coming. Or, um, as he puts it, have some scrawny little neighbor boy come over. Donna defends Eric by saying he's not scrawny. But after Hyde points out that he's the only one that she can talk to, she lays down on the couch embarrassed that everyone knows about her crush. And as Donna starts venting about how she 
just wanted some alone time with Eric and is frustrated that won't happen with this quote unquote party. Hyde like very subtly turns in his chair and starts totally being her therapist. So she's laying on the couch and he's sitting and pondering and listening. He's asking her how she feels about that and asking, do you think you would sleep better if you had a scrawny little neighbor boy up next to you? <laughs> the scene ends with Donna glaring at Hyde. I love that. Moving on to the next scene, we see Eric has changed his clothes and is prepping for his job interview at the Faso Burger. I definitely remember doing kind of a similar thing, you know, getting my outfit all ready and just kind of prepping myself mentally for that too. So that's a good callback for that's me. That's so funny because I was just about, like at the end of the scene, I was going to ask you guys, do you remember prepping for your first job interview? So what do you remember doing for that? I so know. I definitely borrowed mom's business clothes, even though they were too big for me. So I love it. uh, So that and just, you know, going through the questions and I was like, oh, what are you going to make an answer to this? And just some general stuff. Did you practice like what you would say? Mentally, but I didn't actually say it. So probably when I was in the interview, it probably came out way different. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I don't remember my initial interview. I just remember the experience because I had to have mom drive me, had to go talk, you know, go in, see these managers. Just, you know, after, because I think it was word of mouth that I had found my job anyways through mom's co-worker's son who worked at a borrows. Oh my goodness. Like the whole chain of like, yeah, I knew somebody who knew somebody who got me the interview, like all that. Exactly. Stuff. exactly. Like it was, it was somebody that mom knew and their kid worked at borrows, like just across town and it just kind of worked out and it, and I was able to work there, but man, to get there because of how far it was from home school my other school like it was a full circle all around town like it was ridiculous when I worked there it's hard when you're getting your first job I don't remember thinking about like what to say during my first job interview I don't remember prepping the way that Eric does I do remember having to write my first resume and trying to pull out anything I could that might possibly be relevant kind of like Kitty suggests and we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves because we haven't read through the scene yet but kind of like Kitty is suggesting, like, to make it appear more full and, like, but I had a lot of experience in things. You, you pull out anything that might kind of sound relevant a little bit. Sound like a better human being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't get me started on resumes. I can go on about resumes. <laughs> I need so much help with them. <laughs> but going back to the scene, Eric, in this scene, as I was talking about, he's getting changed and is prepping for his job interview. In this scene, he has a red pattern collared shirt and a blue tie with slacks and why is he wearing like it's red but it kind of looks pink and then a blue tie it completely does not match like eric really pop a color 70s <laughs> i was gonna say i, I couldn't quite uh um, can't get behind it he doesn't yeah, exactly. look professional enough exactly miles ahead of the other guys but that's again true. we're getting ahead of ourselves <laughs> exactly. maybe that's his nicest put together outfit not church sunday maybe mm-hmm. good point Red goes into drilling Eric on the correct way to introduce himself to his bosses. And this includes drilling him on the different handshakes and what each time he was doing. He's kind of saying, yeah. into it. No, not like a fish. Like, really, Red? A Mm -hmm. fish? Yeah. Okay. Which. It's my aunt's handshake. Does it really matter that much? But if it's a fish, I I agree with Red on this one. If it's anything else, it's it's fine. It's just a handshake. It's a handshake. It's not the person. Yeah. (laughs) Red then moves into what else Eric has to offer. Red points out that his employer will give a rat about what Kitty suggested about what he should put on the resume and what he has to offer. And ding, 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 ding. Red says ass. He said, they could give a rat's ass about that. So uh, mark it off your bingo cards. Red then continues to pretend to fire Eric over his smart mouth comments. Uh, Don't you you wish your dad would fire you? We now move into the next scene where we see the boys interviewing at Faso Burger, which includes Kelso, Eric, Fez, and Hyde. The employer is a middle-aged man with a lot of enthusiasm for the fast food restaurant. Now, ding, 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 ding. I'm counting this. Okay, this manager that is so enthusiastic about the Faso Burger. This is actually one of our guest stars for the episode. This is Danny. I don't know how to say this last name. I'm so sorry. Bonaduce. That's Ricky. And the reason I put the ding, ding, ding in here is because this is technically a famous guest star. Maybe it's Bonaduce? Maybe it's Bonaduce? I don't know. That sounds way better than what I'm saying. You guys, I apologize so sincerely. I do not understand how to pronounce this last name. I should have done more research. So apologies, Mr. Danny, sir. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But 
he, at first I was like, I know I've seen his face, but he doesn't really seem like a famous person to me, but he's been in a lot of things. I looked him up. His IMDb is full of guest appearance on so many different shows, but he also was a regular on the Partridge family. That's he was what part it was. of the regular Partridge. cast. Yeah. So that was a super famous show in the 70s. We're counting him as a famous guest star because I'm sure that he was included in that 70s show as like a cameo tribute to his years on the Partridge family. So no doubt. Mark it off your bingo card. As the scene progresses, he starts interviewing each of the individual boys for the position. And the way this scene is structured, it, the interviewer poses the question, and then we see uh, all the boys' response, even though it's going gonna, it's gonna to be basically cutting to each of the boys' responses. Right. So he asks the question, and then we get to see what each boy said during their interview portion. Exactly. Fez and Hyde, in my opinion, have the best and most original responses. <laughs> I know. Each one, you're like, huh, okay. One thing I didn't know here, I know in the last podcast we decided that we were going to start tracking what we learn about Fez and try to see how it all works together and what we learn over the different episodes. We learn here that Fez speaks Dutch. I know, such a weird tangent, but I love that you included that. I definitely put that on um, a new note for what we know about Fez. I made a new tracking sheet for that. I have to go back and rewatch some of the episodes and get all the, the few things that we gleaned from the first four. But yes, we learned that Fez speaks Dutch is on there. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, this is one of the infamous, unfortunately, things that it, we gleaned from that 70s show as well. Um, one of the questions was that the interviewer posed was, where do you see yourself in five years? And Hyde's response was prison. So <laughs> Hyde is played well, by Danny Masterson. Yes, that's where it was. Which is what the irony is here. <laughs> yes. So as Angela was just saying, Hyde is played by Danny Masterson. And unfortunately, Danny Masterson has some allegations that I will not talk about what the allegations are because they are not very... They have no revel... They're not family-friendly things to discuss. Yeah, exactly. But they just don't go with this with that no, no, no. show. Yeah, exactly. So we, I'm not going to... We're um, separating the character from the actor. Like, it's yes. fine. But what I was going to say is just kind of um, interesting about... He said prison, and he is literally on trial. He No, he's not on trial. I apologize. He... Um, recently went through a trial. It was a hung jury, and so they're going to be retrying that. Oh man! So, so maybe, and it's been way more than five years. Maybe prison. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So maybe <laughs> it was just, just spread out that timeline. The irony. The irony is like I've seen so many different memes and everything about that specific. Where do you see yourself in five years? Prison trial. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I love it. Not. I don't love that he's on trial. I don't love the circumstances. I just love the irony. Yeah. Exactly. When we heard that he was going to be on trial, everyone was just like, oh, oh, it's happening. <laughs> but back to the scene, we see that Eric does get the job because obviously he had the best responses. He was the best candidate here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we kind of talked a little bit about how you guys prepped for your first interview. Um, do you guys remember like the specifics of your first job interview, like being in the job interview? Like for me, for example, my very first job interview was not for fast food like this was, and it wasn't like a group setting. It was one-on-one, but uh, it was to work in a restaurant as a hostess. And I was 16 years old at the time. And I was so nervous. And you guys, I have this really lovely condition where I am a super nervous sweater. So it was so wonderful to try and keep my arms pinned down at all times to try to hide the fact that I was nervously sweating through my shirt. I don't remember a thing about what was said. I don't remember what they asked me. I don't remember what I said, but obviously something worked. Um, I sucked up enough because they hired me that day, not to work a shift right then on the spot, but they hired me. And then we arranged for when I was going to come in for training, but I, I don't know how I did it. I literally have no memories of like what was said. I just remember sitting in the room with a lady and feeling so nervous. Like, what if I screw up? What if she hates me? What if like, that for the restaurant? All these things that, yeah. yeah, for the restaurant. All these things that, like, what if she hates you? Then you just don't get the job. Like, move on with your life and find another job. I was really nervous. The one I was referencing earlier where I borrowed mom's clothes, that was a different one than I was actually my first job interview. Um, my first actual jobs were kind of through word of mouth, so I don't think I actually had an interview. I actually worked for, like, a day or two at Hollister, and that was actually a group interview, and so I didn't have, like, a one-on-one interview, mm, so okay. huh. the one, the first one-on-one interview that I had was actually for 
the Home Depot. Oh, <laughs> so, really? Yep. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so it was just ironic that that's what it was. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I don't remember. I think I remember my manager's name mm-hmm. still to this day because it just stuck in my head. Somehow it's burned in there. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, no. Anything past that, I don't really remember the interview. I just remember working there. Yeah. The you obviously did enough to get the job, so it went well. Hey, I learned directions. And when I say directions, I mean learning my north, east, south, and west, like oh, location in town. Because before then, it was like I, I know street names, like, enough. Yeah. Of where I was driving to and from every day, and then... Is it because you had to direct people to the restaurant? Or or get a phone number, find the right location for them, for the mm-hmm. other boroughs around town. So, like, I learned real fast, okay, that direction's north, like, you know what I mean? Right. And, yeah, and it helps now to this day when I discuss with my husband, like, oh, it's in this northwest or east, you know, like, whatever corner, you know, when we're talking about places. Helps. Hey, little things that come into your life. Um, I really enjoyed watching the boys' interviews, though. I feel like it was really, like, each was obviously very stereotypically supposed to show, like, the different types of people that managers see, like, every day at a job interview. Like, obviously, Eric is the good candidate. Fez is, I don't know, maybe... Illegal. Yeah, illegal or possibly, like, a foreigner or maybe just someone with low social skills. I don't know. He represents a lot of things. Kelso's kind of the dummy, and Hyde is obviously, like, the rebel. So very stereotypical, like, categories that they put them in. And I've never been a manager, but have you guys ever sat in, like, on somebody else's interview? Have you ever done that? No. So as a teacher, um, when I was a teacher, we would actually get to sit in on interviews if there was a job interview for somebody who may potentially join our grade level team. So for example, we one year were hiring a first grade teacher and a third grade teacher. So all of the third grade teachers that were currently hired and the first grade teachers, all of us sat together in a room with the principal and the assistant principal and got to like sit in on the interview and see how each candidate kind of interacted with us and what we thought of their answers for like our specific grade and see how we meshed and things like that. And it was really interesting because we get to see like a variety of people and all of these people have been college trained for this position, but just seeing the different personalities, it's like, oh my gosh, like we're going to have to get through so many interviews just to find somebody that's going to fit this position. I don't know how they do it and they have so much patience, but I mean, eventually we got there after a lot of interviews, but it was very eye-opening experience. And also like, okay, on my next job interview, not going to do that. Definitely doing this. Like you pick up tips just watching from the other side. It was really interesting. But on to the next scene. We have Jackie sitting with her father in his den. She kind of looks a little retro 60s to me in this scene, not so much 70s. She's got like a wide headband that goes across her head and all the hair behind the headband is teased up. Not quite, it's not like beehive style, like definitely not, but it's very, very much like 60s teased back style going straight back. She's got on this pink dress with a patterned blouse underneath and her dad is wearing a muted blue suit, which I think is very 70s. She is upset because Fatso Burger hired Eric instead of Michael. And Mr. Burkhart explains why with this wonderful black and white fantasy of like a 50s training video, like a spoof on that. It's called Doofus and Diligent, and it is starring Kelso and Eric. The video starts with Doofus, a.k.a. Kelso, sitting on the counter with a plumber's crack facing the camera and Diligent, a.k.a. Eric, wiping the same counter with this super cheesy smile plaster on his face. So Diligent shows how to wipe the counter correctly, which is there really a right way to wipe the counter? Apparently, according to this video. And Doofus is blowing his nose on the rag instead. Diligent helps put ketchup on a big order of burgers and asks, where's Doofus? But the scene flashes to Doofus reading on the toilet. Diligent uses the bathroom and then comes with a very bad lip sync. I love this. I love when that 70 show does this, where they like dub over it in a very cheesy manner. It's obviously very um, deliberate, but I love it. Anyway, it's a bad lip sync with the narrator. He explains he almost forgot to wash his hands and is rushed to get back to work. Doofus claims that washing your hands is for squares. And all of us in the age of COVID shuddered a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) The quote unquote film ends with Jackie realizing that Kelso is a doofus. Now, 
something I found out, I was looking at this, I'm like, where did they get this idea for Doofus and Diligent? It seems like it would come from like maybe a 1950s show or something that they were spoofing on. It actually is based on a comic strip called Goofus and Gallant. And it is a strip that has been printed in the Highlights for Kids magazines since 1948. So it definitely had a basis in reality. I love the way that they pulled it off, though. I put it in part of our fantasies. It's actually on the fantasies list now, so we can decide if it needs to be top 10 or not. I really like it, though. In the Pinciati's backyard, Bob and Midge lay down the rules for the weekend while they're away. You have to be responsible, Donna. No parties. No making Tina eat dirt. I mean it. I love that that's the little throwback to um, the last episode where she's trying to get Eric to eat a clump of dirt. I love that. No making Tina eat dirt and no boys. Bob then asks Eric if he'll be around for the weekend and tells him to make sure no guys are around Donna. So <laughs> obviously Bob doesn't consider Eric to be a guy or at least not one he has to worry about ending up with his daughter. After Bob and Midge leave, Eric and Donna talk about Eric's new job. He says he's fatso burger material and instantly regrets it. And she awkwardly tries to tell him it sounded cool while looking totally uncomfortable behind his back. And I love it kind of, it, I'm so focused on Donna in that moment with her like eye roll as she walks behind him like, oh my gosh, that I, it took me a couple of watches of the episode to realize that Eric turns around in that moment. He doesn't see her look and he looks like, yeah, I did it. Like, okay, she's digging what I said. She said it sounded cool. Like he's totally fooled by it. She asks about the party again and he claims he has to work late, but makes this like pseudo plan to like maybe swing by if he gets off early or it might be really late. So uh, everyone else might be gone. Hint, hint. She catches the hint and says if she's up, she'll maybe leave the light on. And they both awkwardly leave the scene as quickly as possible, but then they come back to confirm which light will be left on. Is this the first time that we've seen Donna's backyard? I feel like this is the first time we've seen Donna's backyard. Maybe? I think we'd have to rewatch the other episodes. I'm pretty sure that we have not been in Donna's yard yet. We've been in Eric's, obviously, a lot. But the first episode, what did we see? First episode for the pilot, we basically saw the foreman's house uh-huh. it was all going through there because it was about eric in the cars the basement second one was um, eric's birthday birthday so we basement saw the house. kitchen Pinciati's. of the pinciati's house but we did not see the backyard mm-hmm. third episode was the streaking episode we did not see mm-hmm. her backyard there and then the fourth one battle of the sexist and they didn't do anything in her backyard right so yeah so first time we're seeing donna's backyard Definitely. Process of elimination for we the did win. it. We got there, guys. <laughs> we move forward with uh, Eric going to leave for work, dressed and ready for Fatso Burger. We see Donna ask him to join her each day as only her outfit changes. It I really... love this little exchange. Like, she keeps asking, like, hey, Eric, I'm going to go do this. And he's like, nope, I got to work. And then switches immediately. Hey, I'm meeting the it. guys. Let's, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to go do this. Can you come? Yeah, it really gets to him with the last one because she asks if she can model a bikini. <laughs> he's a little speechless there At, well it's he's like oh i gotta work like he, like, so he like he he realized what she just asked and it's a slow reaction mm-hmm. but it's just so typical of a guy like uh. <laughs> next we move right to eric on the job his manager asked how the mopping is coming along and eric replies that he's happy to be a part of the fatso burger family and as soon as his manager goes around the corner, he finishes with dumbass. Like, with the with the whole arm, like, mm-hmm. like movement, too. <laughs> now, his comment about you dumbass is actually the first time that the phrase dumbass is actually used in the series. It won't be the last, but it goes to Eric, not to Red, which I was surprised about. I didn't even pick up on that. Mm-hmm. Same. <laughs> Next, we have Eric behind the counter and Hyde, Fez, and Calso and Jackie walk in, being funny and demanding service. With a grin, Eric replies, welcome to Fatso Burger. How may I serve you? And the same cheesy grin. Like, like he knows they're making fun of him. He knows. He has to repeat it, though. It's part of his job. Like, he has to be cheesy. It makes me feel like the poor Chick-fil-A people, as soon as you say thank you for anything, they have to say, my pleasure. And it's like, they must get so tired of that. But Eric has to say the same greeting to every customer. But at least 
you know, us people saying thank you, that's real, like... Oh, yeah, we're showing common real courtesy. Life, yeah. And I'm not saying that all the, um, <laughs> the Chick-fil-A employees don't appreciate good customers, but yeah. they have to respond with my pleasure. Yeah. Off to the side, we have Jackie and Kelso whining about why he didn't get the job. Kelso thinks the guy is jealous of his good looks. Jackie tries to reassure Kelso that it's a good thing that he didn't get the job because then he couldn't see her anytime she wanted and then calls him lover. Which that was a really cringy moment. Oh my gosh, I died on the inside when she said lover. I died. Because my note here says, you guys, mm-hmm. she's 14. The actress Mila Kunis is 14 years old at this time. And we she's can, using yeah. the word lover. Yeah, we can mm-hmm. cringe. We can cringe for the actor like side of things because uh, because of her age. But the other thing is, like, you're in high school. Like, you don't call your boyfriend lover. Like, that's mm, just so know, cheesy, right? Like, and disgusting at that. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't love it. No, I can't. I can't get over it. Nope, <laughs> that's a nope for me. <laughs> <laughs> she then gives Kelso a kiss, but is interrupted by Fez telling them that their touching gives him needs. Okay, super creepy, Fez. Don't love that. But also, this is the first time we actually see Kelso and Jackie kiss. If you remember, in the pilot episode, they are supposed to be like acting like they're making out in the car. But all that we see is them sit up like they've been laying down in the back. We don't actually see a kiss. And then we see them, again, dramatically laid down, but we never actually see a kiss. So this is the first on-screen kiss that we see in episode five. And this is actually Mila Kunis's first kiss. I was going to say, I believe that was her first kiss. Mm -hmm. I think she's confirmed that in different interviews. Yep. That this was her first kiss and it was on set in front of a bunch of people and cameras and stuff. No pressure at all. Right. It's fine. Um, I did get a little curious though, because as Hyde walks in and addresses Eric, he says something about my minimum wage, something friend. And I was like, I really wonder how much Eric was making at this job. If we are correct in assuming that he's making minimum wage, I actually did a little bit of research. Now, what I could find said that minimum wage in Wisconsin for a minor, he's a minor, in 1976 was $1.68 per hour, according to what I could find on this Wisconsin.gov webpage that I found. Gas was probably so much cheaper than two. I know. $1.68 an hour, though. Wow. Yeah. I wonder what, like, that versus the cost of living of everything was at the time. Oh, I know. That's a whole nother discussion. I can go down a rabbit hole on that one. What's interesting is that they had to put in, I think in 1975, they, again, I started reading a whole bunch of stuff before I found the information I needed, but it sounded like they did a lot of work throughout the years and the decades to try and, like, bring minimum wage to a standard level. I'm not going to get into the weeds on this, but basically in the 70s, around 1975, 76, and 77, they had a, a new statute that, like, January 1st, they would increase minimum wage. So it went from, I don't remember what it was in 1975, but in 1976, it was $1.68. And then the next year, 1977, it went up to, like, $1.70 something. So, like, slight increases. I don't, I did not read what happened past that. So it, all I know is 1976, $1.68 minimum wage. We now move into the party at Dalma's house. Um, as Angelie was talking earlier, this is the first time we actually see her backyard. Donna has bright red pants on and a black top, clogs, and has her hair center parted with small braids framing her face. Hyde is already there and lounging, but Jackie and Michael come in shouting, Toga! Toga! And wearing a toga. I should clarify, Michael is wearing the toga, not Jackie. <laughs> Nobody else in the party went with the toga theme that Kelso was trying to start. Michael brings beer to the party, and the moment they open it, Red is on alert. In the party. <laughs> I should clarify, Red is in his own house, and he gets on alert there. <laughs> yeah. Next door, indoors, totally far away, but he can sense it. Hyde is wearing brown jeans, a printed collared shirt, a denim vest, and a large belt buckle. I don't know if you guys noticed his belt buckle on that, how big it was. I'm so bad at noticing the belt buckles. I'm realizing I'm missing a lot of heights. I just realized it because of all the denim and all that stuff going on. It was just like, oh, this is a, you're a little bling, essentially. Gotcha. It's like showing off at the belt buckle. Exactly. That's his kind of rebel look. It's kind of starting to come, to come together at this point. Do you remember what was on the belt buckle? I don't. It wasn't his pot leaf one that Sherilyn discovered, right? I wasn't paying that close of attention to it because, again, I usually do this late at night. And so, like, my mind is already gone. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. I'm just impressed that you caught caught it. Mm -hmm. 
but yes, he was wearing a large belt buckle. So um, I'll give an update in the next episode if it was the the potly the same one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Fez, we see you is wearing a bright red button-up shirt underneath a interesting denim jacket and pants that look kind of like patches of different kinds of denim stitched together kind of in a Frankenstein style. Yeah, like patchwork quilt meets patches of skin meets denim. I don't know. It was very interesting. Mm -hmm. It was very patchy. Mm -hmm. Patchy uh, chic. (laughs) Patchy chic. But it was a matching pants and jacket. Yes, they Mm -hmm. completely matched. Exactly. And here we see the aforementioned Tina. Da, da, da. Tina. <laughs> exactly. Fez immediately hits on Tina. Hyde reminds him that in this country, what he is thinking is illegal. I know. Fez immediately, in my country, nah, it's illegal here. Oh. <laughs> exactly. It was just like, oh, gross, guys, gross. But She's like, 14. Exactly. Same age as Mila Kunis. <laughs> the lover. Oh, uh, I die. I die. <laughs> Okay. Donna is miserable at her own party, so Hyde tells her to go visit the little scrawny neighbor boy. (laughs) This is the one and only time that we ever see Tina, and she's never mentioned again in any episode. We never see her again. Nothing. Well, okay, I take it back. She is mentioned jokingly in, like, as a spoof in one of the episodes. So I shouldn't say she's never mentioned again, but she's never seriously brought up again, and we never see her again. Kind of like Valerie. Yes, she's the second one. I was going to say she's the second one of Donna's sisters that this has happened to. Valerie was the, the one older. that mm-hmm, went off to college, supposedly, that we learned about in episode two. And Tina's just the younger, that's and all we know. that's it. That's all that we ever hear about Donna's sisters, and I'm pretty sure that they refer to her as an only child at some point. Or maybe, yeah. maybe they don't. I don't know. But we never hear about her sisters again. We've got... Pay attention. I do have some um, 70s facts checks on this toga party situation. Um, Actually, it's more than just the 70s. So I was curious about the toga party thing and where that came from. And I I got in over my head. So I'm going to give you the bullet points. It's not going to be a whole deep dive, like just a couple of things. (laughs) So before there were toga parties, as they were called, they actually um, called these bed sheets and pillow slip parties where people would wear their bed sheets and their, and their pillowcases and cut them into like an outfit similar to what people do at a frat party now where they make it a toga, right? Only this has been happening for a very long time. There was one held that was arguably considered the first known college toga party in 1882. It's crazy to me, 1882. And it was a, it was a pillow slip party or a bed sheet and pillow slip party. Then Eleanor Roosevelt famously threw a toga party as the first lady of the United States in 1934 to poke fun at people who kept comparing her husband FDR to Caesar. So they, she threw a toga party as like to F poke you. fun at them. Yeah. <laughs> she was a fierce lady. Like that's awesome. So toga parties at colleges started taking place in the U.S. in like the early 1950s. So again, arguably before the events of this. So maybe they had caught on by then. They became hugely popular though. After the movie Animal House came out, and the movie also kind of popularized the toga, toga, toga chant that Kelso does. Now, that's not to say it wasn't happening before this, but it popularized it, right? But the movie came out in 1978, and the events of this is supposed to be in 1976. So unless Kelso's been going to a bunch of college parties, which I highly doubt, there's A, not a huge chance that he would have been to a toga party before and B wouldn't really know the toga, toga, toga chant. So they kind of fudged the timeline on this a little bit. I think the creators maybe missed the mark on that. They just wanted to stretch it a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. They're like, what's, what's popular in the seventies? Toga parties. So they, they bumped it up a couple of years. Now, again, it's not to say that these things weren't happening, but the movie really popularized it. And I don't think that Kelso in this small town in Wisconsin would have known very much about college toga parties at this point without mm-hmm. the movie. In the next sub scene, we see Kitty comes to visit Eric at work. She brings him some soup and crackers. She asks him how he's doing and he just gives her a fake answer. And then she's like, so how are you really doing? And he, he breaks down. On I the love second that one. it's the same question. So how's it going? It's great. So how's it going? It's terrible. Like instantly. <laughs> she tells Eric to sit down and take a break so he can eat, which his boss gets after him immediately for. And the kitty immediately 
shuts his manager down, and I love that. Oh, I know. And he's like, well, who are you? I'm his mother. Good enough then. Yeah. So I put a ding, ding, ding on this one because technically Kitty is babying Eric by bringing him food and having him sit down, and she says that she'll take care of his side work. Totally babying Eric. Um, so I counted that. You can mark that off your bingo cards if you're following along. Um, also, I love in this scene that he, when she brings him the soup, he's, oh, finally something to eat. Like he doesn't consider the food around him something to eat, which is so funny. I don't know. It may be signs of the times that fast food wasn't as heavily eaten as it is now. Like he's used to home cook meals. And so that's what he considers something to eat. Or maybe he's just grossed out by the smell of hamburgers after working there all day. Who knows? I was going to yeah. say, as people who have worked in restaurants, would you also have kind of considered that, like, not really wanting to eat where you work sometimes? I loved the food where I worked. I worked in an Italian restaurant, and I loved it. And I would bring home, like, salads and cake, and yes. I would eat the bread all day. Very bad for me, but I loved it. <laughs> I do remember that, because I worked with you for that short period of time. Yeah, you did eventually come work with me. But, yeah, they had the, oh, the, the best dessert. Food. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but <laughs> probably if I, like, maybe if I was one of the cooks or, like, was around it more often, I'd probably be like, no, I'm done. I'm done. But I was around more, like, salad, and I would just bag up the food to go, like, in the back, you know? Yep. Also, um, the kitty shutting down the boss thing is such a 70s move. If a mom tried to do that now, like, show up to her kid's work, tell him that he was on break, and, like, do the things for him, we would be like helicopter mom get out of here like you're you're ruining your kid get out this is not your job you're not welcome here like bye but in the 70s it was just I'm his mother okay bye and it's like fine but also I wonder at that time I know now we have laws mandating certain amounts of breaks and everything like that where I don't know in yeah. the 70s that was an actual thing so maybe that's probably his 15 minute break, his lunch break that we now have, but they didn't have that. Yeah, it's maybe. Guess. Maybe she's like making sure he gets a break because she knows that the working conditions don't always get that. You know, you mm-hmm. don't always get that. However, she does say that she's on break from the hospital. So we know that she's at least getting a break. That's, That's true. probably a good hour long being a nurse maybe maybe yeah i didn't i didn't deep dive into that no but that's a good point i didn't think about that yeah i just thought about the helicopter mom of it of it all oh yeah definitely that you're that was true as well (laughs) so back at the party jackie pulls michael into bob and midge's bedroom to talk to him about the job she lets him know that she has expectations about being taken care of in the future having a house and kids and maybe a chandelier Girl's got standards. She knows what she wants. And if he can't give her those things, then this is all a waste of time. And I said, ding, 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 ding. This is Jackie being bossy to Kelso. Kind of. She's telling him, you got to do this for me or this is not going to work out. She's basically bossing him around in that. When she sits down next to him on the bed, though, she realizes that the clip holding his toga has popped the waterbed. And I'm counting this as another mark on your bingo cards I'm counting this as Kelso having a clumsy moment because he was not aware of the clip on his toga and how it would pop the waterbed I love that he says maybe they won't notice and that just seals the deal for Jackie about how much of a doofus Kelso really is like who's not going to notice that their waterbed is leaking come on Kelso but when I saw the scene, I was like, waterbeds. I forgot about waterbeds. Do you guys remember? I think it was, did our parents have a waterbed or was it our grand, grandpa? One of them had a waterbed. I don't remember who it was. was it Grandma I remember Kay? one of them. Maybe. I don't think it was Grandma no. Kay. I thought maybe it was Grandpa Bob or Mom and Dad having a waterbed. Maybe it was Aunt Chris. Somebody had a waterbed and I have very, like. Few memories. No, I like have specific memories of was like it rolling. Or maybe it was grandma diane i we didn't see it very that. often but I yes oh i think you cracked it i, I just have diane. like specific memories of us like all Visiting. of us waving each other like jumping on one side and trying to bounce the other person up on the other side of the waterbed and then being yelled at that we were going to pop the waterbed and like getting in a lot of trouble for messing around on the bed but also like trying to roll from one side of the bed to the other and like enjoying the water messing do you remember any of this Lightly, yeah. I I remember playing on the waterbed and then getting in trouble. But it was fun. (laughs) It was a good time. I'm just thinking about nowadays, like, how much of a pain that would be (laughs) to have a waterbed. I know. To have to, like, maintain it. I don't think they manufacture those anymore. I don't know. I'm just thinking, like, 
to turn in bed <laughs> to try to like go on your side you just flop and then your partner would go up six inches and down six inches and <laughs> it could not have been a comfortable sleeping situation like no way maybe they thought that was enough support having that kind of water and it would take care of any body style any body weight you know what i mean maybe also with any extracurricular activities between spouses that yeah, would be that just would a be nightmare difficult. <laughs> that's for sure yeah I don't even want to imagine. <laughs> fair. Too difficult. Fair. Too difficult. All right. Well, Donna shows up to the Fatso Burger, and Eric starts his usual welcome to Fatso Burger spiel and then abandons it before he can finish. Donna claims she was bored at the party, and when Eric questions her, she says it's not much of a party without him there, which I would say ding, 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 ding. Eric and Donna have a cute moment. This is kind of cute. I don't know. You can maybe count it. It seems super cheesy and almost too sweet, but then they bring it back to reality with Eric saying, you're so queer. And Donna says, shut up. So it kind of kills the cute moment. I don't know. I'm going to leave that up to the listeners if you want to count that one on your bingo card or not, because I was a little bit torn. Clearly, they're both a little embarrassed. And Donna's really like, you guys, she's doing the work this episode. She is putting herself out there because she just lays it all out there. She just says she originally had only wanted to spend time alone with Eric. And then she kind of sits and waits for him to either respond or maybe make plans to hang out together or something. But Eric says he needs to work. And he repeats a lot of Red's ideas from the beginning. Work isn't fun and only quitters quit. And then Donna leaves disappointed. Which that is such a kind of a slap in the face of what he did. Like, I understand he has to work. And if I was at my job and had to do that, I would say something along the lines of, I would love to spend time with you as well, but I have to work at this moment. But like he just said, I have to work. He didn't even acknowledge her feelings, essentially. Right. Didn't acknowledge the fact that she was like, well, I was inviting you over to hang out. Like it doesn't, she's not saying it has to be right this second. Like, or even like the two of them can just hang out and talk while he's there at work. But she's just like letting him know, I wanted to spend time with you. And then waiting for a response. Like, do you also want to spend time with me? Can we maybe make a plan? Like something, just give me something. And he just is like, the relationship I is have to work on and pause. only quitters quit. And I'm not saying that he's not right in that moment, but he does need to give her like a little bit of something like, well, when I'm not at work or something, I don't know. So I don't know what would be the right answer for her, but yeah, she really put herself out there. I feel like she went into his work. Like he, she knows that he got a job because things cost money. He's trying to be responsible. To be able to have money to go do fun things and such. Mm-hmm. But it's like, all right, in this time and your parents went out of town, he, you know, he can't control that. All these situations coming up. But then you come to my work and that's great. She came to see him. But it's like, do you expect him to like yeah, just, drop just drop everything, everything and leave yeah. arm in arm with her? Like, I'm sorry that you have a job. Now... If you wanted to quit like that, sure, fine. People do that. They walk out all the time. Mm-hmm. But at this point, he he was just, like, stuck. He's like, what do you expect me to do? Yeah. So I think it's a little bit of, like, maybe she has unrealistic expectations. Maybe she just isn't communicating to him that, like, she's not asking for him to leave right there. Or, I don't know. Am I going to see you tonight? Maybe he's just not great at communicating and she's doing a lot of the work here to try and put it out there. I don't. I don't really know. But you're right. Like, he's... He's busy at that moment. Like, he can't just leave with you. I don't yes. know. However, I did want to point out, I like at the beginning of the scene, that Eric gives the whole, welcome to Fatso Burger, how may I serve you sentence, to Hyde, Kelso, and Fez, even though he knows that they're going to mock him. He even says it to Kitty when she comes in, and it totally confuses her, because she's like, it's me. And he's like, no, 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 I have to say that. I love that. He even does it to his own mother. But when Donna walks in she's the only one that he drops it for which i think is very telling of his feelings for her it's not just that i think it's also okay the time of day like all these things were happening at different you know timelines like Mm -hmm. one could have been an earlier day the other one could have been that same one like that same evening that Mm -hmm. donna came in but that could have been two or three hours before and here we are maybe it's 10 o'clock maybe it's 11 o'clock even who knows how late they were open and obviously she left the party so it's like it's evening so maybe he's just done, tired, like, I'm not, like, I'm not saying it anymore. I like my theory better, that she's the only one he drops it for. <laughs> okay. But you're probably right. <laughs> so we'll move forward to the next scene. 
Hyde has just finished his drink, crushes the can, and then throws it in the trash. Very, like, step-by-step to to watch it happen. But Bez tries to copy and whimpers as he tries to crush his. (laughs) (laughs) Hyde wants Kessler to get them more beer. Ding, 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 ding. The kids want beer. Mark it off your bingo card. And tells him he knows that Red has a garage fridge and he keeps beer in it. We see Red awaken suddenly as if he knows the kids are trying to steal his beer. Or maybe even that the beer was, like, mentioned. Yeah, like, he hears it. Like, somebody said beer. I've got a whiff. My my party senses are tingling. I don't know. <laughs> or even just the fact, like, oh, they're talking about my garage. Or, you know, like, he senses <laughs> he something. Knows. Yeah. The kids are then sneaking into the foreman's garage to try and steal beer from Red. Hyde, Kelso, and Fez are caught by surprise when Red flashes his headlights at them. Kelso quickly caves and yells, It was his idea! Fez wants to be reminded to kick someone's ass. <laughs> Probably Kelso's. You know, and I, I'm amazed that he kind of says that so quietly, like, Remind me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like under his breath. <laughs> yeah. Hyde tries to cover up what they were doing by asking for Eric. Red re- replies that he most definitely is not inside that bridge. And outside, at Donna's, we find the porch light is on, and Eric is just walking up. He goes to knock, and Bob is greeting him. They came home early because they missed the kids. Eric lies and says he just was coming home from work and noticed someone left their porch light on. Bob is impressed by him noticing, and I I believe he was impressed just because of the distance from the road and, you know, the walking. He says, you can't even see that from your house. Good eye. Yeah. And watching out for Donna at midnight and at the back door. Bob's innuendos are great. And Bob goes inside. Donna says goodnight and Eric goes home. Part of me, like, I, I really don't think that Bob caught on to the fact that Don, that Eric was coming to see Donna. Like, I don't think he understood any of that. No. And, and, and the writers, I'm sure the writers were very clued into the um, script that they were giving Bob, but and who knows if Bob clued in at the time or the actors, but it was just like he kept saying these things and then paused and then moved on to the next one. Like, you're here at midnight at the back door. Like, it was just kind of like leading to silly things, but and I would have never caught on to some of this as a younger person, but now that we're older and married, it it's. I don't think that, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I was picking up on it because it was already late when I was watching Maybe. it as well. That I was just like, <laughs> like Sherilyn was reading into things. I think that's what it was, to be honest. Probably. <laughs> hey, my, my husband's sitting there playing his Fortnite, too. So yeah. It's like I pick up on all the stuff. Well, what drives me nuts here is, and again, this is, this is something that bothers me because of things that are going to happen in a future episode. So I'm going to try and not harp on it too much. But... Bob mentions that you can't see that light in their backyard from Eric's house. So the layout between these two houses has always really been a little bit confusing to me, like the two yards. Um, The way the scene is set up, people kind of walk around the corner to get into Donna's backyard. So either we're looking at Donna's backyard from the side of the house, and like as we look back in the scene, maybe Eric's house is in the background, like implying that the two are side by side, but we're turned to the side, so we're seeing him behind her. In which case, you would be able to see the light from the house. Or Donna's backyard is kind of set up on the side of her house and you do have to walk around the back and then like her backyard is kind of like a side yard instead. Either way, it doesn't make sense for um, a future storyline when there's going to be a property line dispute that involves their kitchen, which is connected to the backyard, which is not next to the foreman's property. So all of this drives me a little bit nuts, but I'll I'll dive a lot deeper into it when we get to that episode. But the point is, you should be able to see this light from the foreman's house, and Bob claims you can't. And that always has bothered me. I, I Could don't, there potentially be a tree? No, no. I think Maybe. he mentioned from the road, because like he was just walking up, he notices it, and then coming up that way. Since Does, next I thought neighbors. he said you can't even see that from your house. Good eye. I thought it was, you can't see it from the road. Pretty sure it's the house. We're going to have to stay tuned. We will get to the <laughs> bottom of this mystery. I'm pretty sure it's the house, but Sherilyn thinks road. But if if it's the house, then maybe physically, you know, maybe the house would have been turned to the way we think. And so he is having to take a little bit longer of a walk from where their backyard might be to where, you know, like his driveway. I'm going to map physically. it out, which is going to be, I mean, the... Anybody listening to this podcast is like, what the heck are you guys talking about? The houses are turned. I'm so sorry. I'm going to try and map it out and then like 
put it on our Instagram or something because it drives me nuts. It's really <laughs> not helping to talk it out. Yeah. The point is, is it doesn't make sense. I know. This is riveting debate right now. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on. Eric has just stormed into his living room and informed his parents that he's quitting. So I believe it's probably already late. It's probably, I'm thinking maybe 11. He's he's done his job. He's come home. He said goodnight. It's not horribly late, but his parents are still up. He storms into the living room and informed his parents he's quitting. He's irresponsible, a quitter, and couldn't kill a cow with a hammer. Red I surprise. Love that. Yeah. I love <laughs> couldn't kill a cow with a hammer. <laughs> okay. Maybe he was just working off of Red's job. No, he 100% job. Yeah. was working off of Red's job, but like that's not a normal thing that you tell your parents when you're quitting your job. Red surprises Eric when he understands because everyone quits their first job, it's no big deal. Eric tells. Tells him he's a little disappointed in his reaction. Rhett snaps back with, it wasn't a man's job anyways. It was a name tag hairnet job. It was cutting into his chores. Kitty didn't like Red's comment about Eric's sweeping job since it was actually Kitty who did it herself. So she tells him to go sweep it himself. Like, reply, you know, meaning Red. Do it go, yourself. Yeah, then. do it yep. yourself. Leaving Red looking confused. The last scene um, has the episode ending with Eric's boss coming to ask where his big Fatso smile is. Eric asks Ricky how he started working at Fatso Burger, and Ricky claimed that instead of going to college, he was made assistant manager, and Fatso Burger just threw the money at him. But now he's his own boss. Well, actually, he answers to a lot of people. And Eric quits on the spot with Ricky saying he would do the same thing. All right, you guys, what, uh, let's talk about these extras. What did you think the funniest moment of the episode was? Uh, I believe my funniest was Fez having to be told what he may be thinking was illegal. <laughs> you like that moment? It's illegal here. Oh. It was just kind of like, it was out there, but it, like, you never know with Fez. What kind of. I know. Like, where was he going with that? Like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. It's kind of funny because. You don't know where he was exactly leading to, but you can only imagine, and Hyde is telling him it's illegal. Like, right. It's just funny. No matter which way you look at it. What did you think the funniest moment was? Prison. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. That's a good one. I kind of struggled with the funniest moment on this one, because there was a lot that I enjoyed, and a lot that um, was like emotional work, like Donna pulling a lot of weight here. But I think I finally landed on Doofus and Diligent. I, I enjoyed that. That's a good choice. Thank you. I worked really hard on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, best quote. I don't think I picked up on a quote this time. Your turn. Kitty, when I was his age, I worked in a slaughterhouse. It was a good experience. I learned how to use a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I don't know why. I think it was because of how Red delivers it and then cracks himself up immediately. Like, such a dark comment. But I loved it. What do you think, Corinne? Best quote? Um, I don't think I had a best quote, to be honest. It's just one of those things where, like, nothing really stood out to me. Maybe the same one as the, um, what was it, funniest moment is the best quote to me. Because it's just like, yeah. Yeah. For me, those ones are hand in hand. They are good. They are good. Okay. And then the most relatable moment. Well, I picked up on Eric just being asked day after day to go do something and not and can't because of the job. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's very relatable because I was working my junior to senior year when I first had my borrowers job. Mm -hmm. And so like that was when, you know, I'm sure activities were picking up more like, obviously it would have been different if it had been just my senior year. I was like, no, I'm going to go to my, you know, the games. I want to have that, you know, social aspect my senior year, but, but just, yeah, not being able to go do things when you're, Trying to be better friends with people. Mm -hmm. The whole yeah, social, like, build the relationships and you feel like you're being left out because you go to work. Yeah. yeah. Um, 100%, that's what I put. Like, wanting to hang out with your friends but having to work was no fun. Yep. Yep. I did the same thing. It was, I think it was just my junior to senior year that I worked. And then my senior year, I was like, I can't do this with cheerleading and, like, it's just not going to work in my schedule. So, one thing had to give and it was the job, which was fine. For me, it was also actually the same moment, but for me, that's where I am right now. So I'm like, oh, yeah, to work. Yes. Yeah. It's like, oh, do you want to like give the kiddos together? 
Nope, gotta work. Oh, <laughs> I I take your kiddo and get it together. <laughs> I can. So she has the like good time with her cousins, which I am very appreciative of because I always loved that. Like she gets to see her cousins every day and have that bond with them. Yeah, we need to do it more with I all the bad. Cousins, Russ though, will sure. ask for cousins all the time, or and I'm just like, yeah, we need to plan better. We need to do more. And yeah, try because they're always school, 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 all the things. Yeah, I'm just. We it, we just happen to have the second crowd of kids that are all in the same age mm-hmm. and they're all homebound right now. But for me, it's no, gotta work, gotta work. Yeah, that was definitely the most relatable moment. Okay, so as we wrap up this episode, um, we have quite a few fantasies on our fantasies list. I think we might be getting close to the top ten, so we might have to start eliminating soon. And like I said, we're going to update all the things that we know about Fez. And I'm going to try and draw a map of this layout because there's just, it doesn't make any sense. And I know, I know comedy shows, they don't really think about that too much. It just has always really bothered me. So going forward, that's what I'm going to do. But we appreciate you guys listening to us. If you've made it this far, oh my goodness, thank you. Um, Next week, we will be doing season one, episode six. Does anybody know the name of it off the top of their head? Nope. Nope. Oh man, I did, but I forgot. I looked it up, you guys. We failed. Season 1, Episode 6 of That 70 Show is up next. And um, yeah, if you enjoy listening to us, make sure you give us a rating and a review or visit us at um, We Watch Rewatch Podcast on Instagram. Thanks so much. Bye.